0: Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Boldo Racing Team.
1: Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostard from Ford Pepsi Max Root, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um <laughs> be, been here before.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the number one target
1: on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing.
0: Sometimes they're not. Dickheads, you could say it's just
1: it's, they're just there's good racing i, mean, I enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars
0: hello and welcome to the show as we're joined this week by fairfax and auto action editor at large mark fogarty good evening folks
2: <laughs> hey there craig and... i'm not real i'm not an editor at large of fairfax media just auto action okay You'll get it right one day. I'm glad we
0: cleared that up.
2: We clear this up every time you talk to me.
0: <laughs> the second busiest man in motorsport is Richard Crowell, and he joins us on the line now. Um, Crowley?
2: I'm not an editor at large at anything. But and why is he only the second busiest person? Who's the busiest? I
0: think he's been overtaken. By who? By? I think Chad hey. Naylan has overtaken you. Oh,
2: right. Oh, yeah, Chad everywhere, you're right. Yeah, he's um, he's a... Virgining Eddie Maguire, isn't he?
0: Well, I thought I thought uh, Richard was the next Eddie, folks.
2: No, no, I've got far too much taste in football clubs
3: to be uh, an Eddie Maguire. <laughs>
0: Well, that was the shortest interest grand final, I think, in history, wasn't it? We do digress because the the equivalent of a grand final in motorsport is on this weekend, folks. And uh, I don't think we're going to see domination from the first five minutes of the uh, first quarter. I think this one could be more like a NRL finish with uh, maybe some extra time, golden points, deciding the uh, outcome. Certainly, it's been that way for the last couple of years.
2: Well... The Bathurst 1000 traditionally throws up something completely unexpected. Um, runaways, well, haven't been many of them them for a very long time. So I think Sunday's winner is not going to be a Hawthorne. Probably won't be a uh, Cowboys either. Somewhere in between, I can't believe that we could have the nonsense that we had again last year. I mean, we'd, you'd love it, but... Last year was just unbelievable, but it'll be dramatic and probably like it has the last, what, five-odd years or so. It'll go down to, you know, fighting down to the last few laps. I mean, that's... Bathurst is Bathurst. It is just a remarkable race, and we can, and we will talk about the favourites and who should win it and who can't win it, but we just don't know because it's one of those places where... Anything can and most usually does happen. But
0: Richard, in the Battle of the Force is the light or the dark side going to win?
2: Uh, yeah, I know where you're
3: getting at there. I had to think about that for a moment in terms of the uh, the Holden Racing Team. Good question. Um, but just to further on, on folks' point about the race and its likelihood of coming down to the wire, I think a discussion with some friends who aren't heavily involved in the sport, they just follow it and um, and our fans watch it on TV, watch a lot of the races go to a couple every year and, and they're saying, oh, Bathurst's bound to be another thriller finish, isn't it? The, the thing I'm not concerned about, but sort of I guess concerned about this weekend is that we might not get for the first time in five or six years, as folks mentioned, an absolute ripper down to the wire finish like we've had so many times in the last couple of years and it may be that we have someone end up out in front after a long green flag run or they work the fuel strategy better and everyone else stops or whatever might happen, all these variables that come up in Bathurst every year um, that we might end up with someone winning it by, God help us, five seconds and uh, we'll walk away a bit flat and deflated after uh, so many years of great motivation. But I'm I'm sure it will continue to deliver regardless of the final winning margin and there'll be enough going on over the six or seven hours of motor racing to keep
0: us all uh, very much amused and entertained folks you your point that you made very at the very beginning is we haven't seen a blowout race for many years it's perhaps attributed to the fact that we do tend to get a late safety car in that last hour the fields compressed
2: oh of course you summed it up you know that's why uh, particularly in you know in recent memory certainly in the last decade you know that last hour you know as the drivers say you buy tickets for the last hour to um you know to get in contention and and, you know all hell breaks loose normally in some way or another and you know even Richard right I mean we might have you know an easy or a relatively comfortable victory but even that in itself given what's happened the last several years that will be interesting in itself if someone can actually break away but uh, you know, un- unless something untoward happens, which always can because of the nature of the event, um, I'm, I'm not looking to... S- I'm not seeing anyone dominate. I, I think it's going to be a, uh, a dog fight, as Jamie Wincup would say, from start to finish, and, you know, all the big boys, like they were at the end last year, are all going to be in it.
0: The only problem with dogfights are they're illegal in this country, so I don't know that we want illegal motor racing uh, in and around Bathurst. That's... Uh, Oh, could me. it be a cockfight then? Oh, no, they're illegal too. <laughs> or maybe that's just what you think of me.
2: UFC's the big rage at the oh, moment? that no, sort moment. of cockfight, yeah. Craig, really. <laughs>
0: you really had to go there, folks.
2: Roosters.
0: <laughs> we need to take a break on that note here. Oh, yes, Inside we certainly
2: City. do need to take a break.
0: <laughs> Plenty more when we return.
1: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page... <laughs> Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it. means a lot, you know. Through the years, a lot of reference this race as one of our majors. Six hundred miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we we're able to beat the two other two boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the
3: final, which uh, we were able to do. It, but, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for
1: the uh, rest family. Inside motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at
0: sportradio.com.au. Hi,
1: I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
0: Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Fogs and Richard Crowell. Crayley, I asked you before, is the light side or the dark side of the Force going to win? Interestingly, there's not a regular driver. Well, certainly there doesn't look to be a regular driver in the light side car.
3: So we're talking about the Holden Racing Team, of course, and their uh, very good sponsorship with uh, the, the Star Wars franchise, which has all been very well done, and it's nice to see those big consumer-spec brands and movies and things getting on board and sponsoring cars, and we've seen a few of those. We've Wendy jumping on the Erebus car, and Penwright's more of a, an automotive brand, but it's nice to see that sort of diversifying sponsorship again to see some different brands coming in. Um, in answer to your question, I mean, obviously, you'd favour any car at that place which has got Garth Tander in it. Um, he's just unbelievable. in most touring car races and just goes up another level, it's like... Craig Lowndes does when he gets to Mount Panorama. So you'd have to say that the dark side of the force has probably got this one. But as we've said so far in the show, it's just so unpredictable and you don't know. And if um, 22 sticks around the mark and is there in the final hour, um, irrespective of who's behind the wheel, then they're a bit of a chance as well. But you'd think that that, uh, Mr. Tand is likely to be uh, right in the mix and in that dogfight towards the end or catfight or whatever it is we're calling it now. Um, Bun fight. The bun fight,
2: yes. Yes. Yeah, I agree. If he actually makes the start, Darth's hander. Uh, uh, uh. See what I did
3: there? Uh, Yeah, no,
2: he he and Luffy should be in it, but, you know, and one would assume the odds of making the start this year and being (laughs) near the front of the grid are quite good, but, yeah, the, the second car's a big question mark. We still don't know yet whether... Courtney's fit enough, and even if he gets there, he won't be fit enough. Mm. That's, that's one thing that's sure. So, you know, they really should be going with um, Jack Perkins and Russell Ingle, and, you know, they're not going to set the world on fire pace-wise, but, gee, they'll race well. Mm. You, you,
3: you can't risk it, can you, folks, putting Courtney yeah. in the car? Because if you have one, one big crash again, all of a sudden this 2016 championship starts looking rocky because he might end up with worse injuries that take longer to recover from there's no way he can drive
2: surely no it's it would be irresponsible mm-hmm. and i think that's why at this stage we you know as we speak we still don't know because they're just holding out till the last minute i mean they've been treating you with kid gloves they've kept the cane of silence around everything um but it's the the result i fear is inevitable um you know but that's good james shouldn't be driving you know Not just the risk, as you mentioned, of, you know, hurting himself again in another crash, which he seems to be a crash magnet throughout his career, I have to say. You know, Formula One testing, Jaguar tried to kill him twice at that big accident at Phillip Island, you know, when Premar ran into the side of him and broke his leg. And, you know, he's just standing around minding his own business, and a Navy chopper flies down the main street at Sydney Motorsport Park, and lo and behold, gets... Not only knocked over by a you know a bit of advertising hoarding off the oh, somewhere in the HRT pit, but you know it breaks what in the end five ribs and apparently does, although the medicine of it's a bit vague, but apparently does puncture his lung. I mean, honestly, star crossed. I wouldn't be going near the place. Mm. You know, he, he's tempting fate by going to Bathurst, and apart from the risk of hurting himself in another crash, so as I was going to say. Just getting in and out of the car. Yeah. But the driver change is is going to be painful and slow. So, um, yeah, for his long-term future, as much as he would like to get in that car and have another shot at Bathurst, I certainly don't think he should.
0: And with Bathurst out the way, folks, is there any point in rushing him back for the Gold Coast or even for the rest of the season, let him heal up, let him, you know, other than the fact that he's a race car driver and he wants to race cars, a punctured lung, my understanding, punctured lung's a 16-week recovery till you can just breathe properly, let alone mm. try to do anything that's uh, of a major strain.
2: Well, next stop, Gold Coast. Really? Yeah. You know, does he really want to get pummeled to death? Yeah. I mean, that's the one, yeah. You're right. Just take the rest of the season off, heal properly, Come back, gangbusters! I, you know, I, it's interesting we're having this discussion because in most other sports, professional at a professional level, this wouldn't be a discussion.
3: Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's it's the last throwback. Motor racing's got to that old school gladiatorial style. You know, you read all these stories about guys getting in and running the Indy 500 with broken legs or burns or whatever it might be. It's sort of the last link to that, where every other sport. A bit more sensible. I, I agree with folks. I think they've got a, a absolutely capable driver to fill in that car and make sure it's somewhere in the pack and competitive and getting the TV time and getting the results and helping with development and setup and everything that needs to be done in Jack Perkins. So mm. while you've got access to that, keep Jack in the car, let James recover 100% so when we get to the Quibsle 500 next March, he can be right at the front of the field and be the championship contender that the team knows he can be.
0: So, and, and importantly, whilst Garth, uh, whilst uh, Russell Ingalls in the car, you're getting plenty of TV time, so your sponsors are making out like bandits because they're getting 10 times more coverage than you would if you were just running mid-pack.
2: Yeah, it all helps, absolutely. And there's a wonderful symmetry too. Ingall and the Perkins yeah. in a Holden 20 years after... Russell and Larry You know, came back from the dead And were the last people before Chaz and Morris last year To win, you know, last to first Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and, So it's
2: a good look Alright, we've sorted that problem, next
0: Well, I was just going to say And whilst we keep the 20 year synergy going We'll have Simona and Renee Gracie All in the cars as well In their, in their new Super Cougars car Yeah, the Super
3: Cougars That's, that's a new one uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing you know, seriousness how Simona goes this weekend. I we, we've seen what she's capable of in an Indy car. She's been on the podium there um, on Raw Speed. I remember her dicing for the lead in a street race at Sao Paulo in the Indy cars a few years back, and and right in the mix. I think she ultimately finished fourth there, but but led at some point and was contending for wins. We've seen her bravery and her courage from having big crashes in Indy and bouncing back and that massive crash at Texas with the fire and, and bouncing back and racing again. So I'm really excited to see how she goes, with no expectations, because first time in a touring car with, what, two and a half test days under her belt and a completely different driving style required. But at the same time, you know, relative to Renee and relative to perhaps some of the other internationals in the field, I'm, I'm really keen to see how she performs. It's going to be uh, one of the interesting stories of the
0: week. I know, folks, you uh, took up the banner of uh, the Supergirl's nomenclature on the car and on the uh, naming of the whole uh, group, and uh, you went straight to Simona about, is it appropriate?
2: What were they thinking? In the year 2015, we've got an all-female driver pairing a bassist again the first time in what 17 years and that's the best name they could come up with the super girls i'm is this 1975 i yeah it just biggest belief and particularly as the ceo of harvey norman is a woman mm. um just bizarre anyway i've said my piece about that and you know, it was bad enough back in 1998 when they had the Castro Cougars. <laughs> but Cougars had a very different connotation back then, didn't it?
0: And it was yeah. up against the young lions that were being run by the, um, who yeah, owned it back then? The, uh, yeah, HRT. It was HRT, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. But, it, you know, it, the game doesn't seem to have moved on very far, you know, in terms of the so-called battle of the sexes. Um, but, look. Simona Di Silvestro, is a, she's a quality race driver and, you know, she deserves better than to be described as arguably the best female open wheel racer in the world. I mean, in some ways it's a bit of a backhanded compliment, but she has proven herself in IndyCar competition, you know, the most diverse and arguably the toughest motor racing series in the world. She, she proved that she is, you know, there on merit um, Renee Gracie is going to really struggle because this is a real big step up for her and she has only very limited experience in racing generally, much less V8 supercars, you know, despite being a regular runner this year in the development series. So uh, the flippant side of me was tempted to say that they're going to be engaged in an epic battle for 27th place, which is a bit harsh, but they will struggle. Mm. And you know, I- even even Simona, she'll do a really She'll do a decent job But uh, Just sheer lack of miles in this sort of car She's never raced You know, anything with a roof In her life, much less A big heavy touring car So, th- this outing Has got to be a learning period A learning process, just keep their noses clean Bring it home And then have a go next year So Um they're certainly much more than a curiosity, but you know, their prospects of making it into the top half of the field out you know, without the assistance of attrition, it, it's just so difficult. It's just beyond belief. Yeah.
0: The, the big thing, and probably the good thing for both uh, Renee and Simona, is the fact that it's a two-year deal. They're locked in for two years, and they can use this one as a stepping stone for having you know, a serious run at the top ten in the following year
3: agree with that and that, that's probably the best part about it isn't it, that, that they've got this opportunity and the other thing is it keeps Harvey Norman in the sport for two years and, and the sponsors tied in with it so uh, it gives them two bites at the cherry and uh, two opportunities to, um, to be involved and I think we've talked to Craig before about how important it is at this point in time to get new brands and new sponsors into the sport so having Harvey Norman on board is uh, is a good get irrespective of the branding around it, as folks, said. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's good. So hopefully, uh, year two they can come back and have a bit more of a concerted crack and, and maybe more testing and more preparation before it to give both of them more seat time.
0: Mm. And and folks, uh, one of the things we do have to temper it by the uh, the, the twenty battle for twenty seventh is the fact that Super Black did exactly the same thing last year and what finished eleventh, tenth, or eleventh.
2: Uh, I think it was 11th in the end, yeah. No, they that, that was totally unexpected. Um, Home Gardner and Pedersen put in a heroic effort, I thought, you know, exceeded only in its heroic, heroicism by um, Jack Perkins and, um, uh, and Cam Waters. Mm. Um, you know, I'd written them off, or certainly Jack, but, you know, He's one of these blokes that certainly gets up at the mountain. So, um, yeah, yeah, don't dismiss Super Black um, at, at all. It's, it, for no other reason than they're in a Pro Drive Racing FGX, which is the car to have in any shape or form. And there's going to be about a million of them on the grid, aren't there? Well, six anyway. <laughs> so one of them's got to get up somewhere along the line. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that, at fastest, more than anywhere, you know, it's not quite anybody can win, but the n- sheer number of pairings that have the potential to win that race is extraordinary. Now, it'll probably come down to the same old group, you know, your top PRA cars, your top Red Bull, Triple Eight cars, your top um, HRT maybe, and then, you know, Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin and, you know, some other guns. Um, and kind of on the fringe of that, I'd throw in Scott Pye and Marcus Ambrose. Um, but, you know, this David Reynolds is in there, well, including with the PRA. So yeah, a huge selection of people who can who have the pace just to run at the front. So it's going to come down to just getting your strategy right. And that involves, you know, A kind of guessing game, educated guess at when there might be safety cars, because you know there will be safety cars, whether we like it or not, there'll be safety cars, Um, and just getting the flow right. And if last year proved nothing else, (laughs) it proved that no matter what happens, you're not out of it until the
0: absolute last lap. Mm. Indeed. We're going to talk about some of those teams after the break here on Inside Supercars.
1: The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.
0: Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Richard Cale, Mark and even Fogues, uh, talking about some of those front-running teams which you alluded to before the break. And PRA, three years they've been right at the very front of this field. At Bathurst, of course, they've won two, S- second by the closest of margins, the first of those three years where you had uh, the Fred Gibson livery wasn't it Falcon um, up against
2: 67 look
0: uh... so my question is was that the chance was that really the start of the Ford Performance Racing slash Pro Drive Racing Australia resurgence or was it when Winterbottom stood on top of the mountain
2: well Yes, certainly when Winterbottom broke through, um, that proved that the then Ford Performance Racing was capable of getting through an event without stepping on itself. They were still making a mess of the championship. The difference is now they're dominant everywhere. You know, they've taken hold of the championship this, this year. It's a straight fight between Frosty and Chas Moster, Um and there's no reason not to think that that won't be the case at Bathurst, you know. They've got, those cars have got the sheer pace. If they can just use that pace and not get caught up in other accidents or, you know, la, 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 you know. You, I don't need to tell you guys or the listeners, you know, what could go wrong or what could, you know, what, what they could miscalculate on. But if they just keep their noses clean, they'll be battling it out and, you know, Reynolds could be there. You know, he's certainly quick enough. Um, the question is, can Triple Eight get up off the floor um, yeah, and take the fight back to them? Um, I think they can, but will they win? Mm, probably not, because there's, there's something about this year. They're not quite on it. So, you know, Wynn Cup particularly, and you can, of course, never count out Craig Lounge. They'll be in contention, but I just think right at the end, um, it'll come down to, and uh, the Pra cars. My pick is still Frosty. He's he's got he's got the eyes in. Um, he can see that championship looming. He's not going to let go of it. He was ruthless at Sandown, so uh, he's my pick <laughs> among many.
3: Yeah, I, I think to, to, to further on the Pra story, and I agree with everything folks said. But to further on that, the the interesting thing for me that weekend is going to be how the co-drivers in that stable compare and if you, if you look at the five and the six and then the bottle car as well, Dean Canto continues to impress with how he can jump in without doing anything else all year and be competitive like he was at Sandown. I think the big story will be and and maybe the difference at the end of the race will be between Steve Owen, who's sharing with Mark Winterbottom and Cam Waters with Chas Mossett. And it's gonna be really interesting to see how Cam goes after last year, and you mentioned earlier how good he was with Jack Perkins in that car, and they were the big, one of the big surprises of last year's race, and, and sort of further as that point that Bathurst is one of the few tracks left on the calendar where you do get those really big surprises of people popping up and going, oh, where have they been all year? Isn't it nice to see them back in the top ten? It, it's going to be really interesting to track how Owen and Waters stack up relative to each other, and I reckon it will have quite a big bearing on where those two cars sort of play out in the last hour when you put your, your main driver back behind the wheel and let him go at it for the district. Mm.
2: Yeah. Well, look, look what Mostert did last year with an old bloke as his co-driver. Yeah. Who in some ways did his best to lose it for them.
3: <laughs> yeah. And, and, <laughs> and they now still got,
2: got through. Now he's yeah. got this, well, star of the future, no doubt and a young man that we'll see in the main game next year in one form or another, and is completely dominating the Dunlop series this year. I, it's, it, yeah, it's an irresistible combination, to, if you really ask me.
0: Uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I tell you what, I don't think too many people would be upset to see Steve Owen up on the top step of the uh, dais. He's been a journeyman. He, of course, drove for Rod Nash for many, many years. <laughs> And uh, in some respects, him returning to ProDrive Racing Australia has been a homecoming with Rod and Rusty French, the owners of the team now.
3: Yeah, he's been workmanlike, hasn't he, folks, in, in the last couple of years. And, and he's another one of these drivers that you can plug in and, and you know that you're going to get exactly what you need out of him. But I, I agree with what folks said before, Craig, that, that I think... I think the number six car is probably the slightly more favoured combination. And on raw speed alone, and we all know that that's not the be-all and end-all when it comes to this race, but on raw speed alone, those two have probably got it over as a pair over Winterbottom and Owen, but they did a really good job at Sandown and did everything he was asked of. So, yeah, he's a very, very good co-driver to have in the, in the corner. Mm.
0: Now, folks, rhetoric aside... The championship is lost for Pro Dry, uh, for Red Bull Racing Australia. So does this mean you double your efforts and you go, we can make as much money off winning Bathurst if we do it right as what we can off winning a championship?
2: Well, it depends who you speak to at AAA. You know, for Roland Dane, Bathurst is the be-all and end-all. And uh, for him, it was certainly, you know, turn this year into... Well, it would change a bad year into a good year to win Bathurst. Talk to Jamie Wincup. Uh-uh. The big thing's the championship for him. So winning Bathurst is a case of salvaging what by his standards, no one else's, but by his standards, is a very poor year. Um, And then Craig, well, you know, Craig's just happy any old day, isn't he? You know, la-la-la. Here we go. He's always a contender at Bathurst. So for him, um, a a A triple-A... If they're going to put support anywhere, they actually need to put it behind Craig because he's still a championship contender and, well, you know, long odds, but he's still in with the chance, so um, the effort should be there. I know Jamie's very keen, well, he's just keen to get back at the front on a consistent basis, but um, he's an interesting chap, to say the least, and um, you have to admire his sportsmanship and his love of the sport, and what he wants more than anything is to be involved in a desperate battle right down to the last lap for the race, as he has been for the last three years, mm. which is incredible in itself. And even if he loses, he won't be happy. But in his mind, he'll be proud, you know, just to have um, been a part of another epic finish, which is, you know, I mean, that's a, it's a very charming attitude.
0: It is, and it's one of those things that doesn't get highlighted very often about Jamie about his understanding and his respect for uh, what for the business and you know whilst he blows off talking about uh, how many championships and how successful he's been he'll talk about finishing second at Bathurst with almost the same sort of passion as he'll talk about a championship
3: yeah I I think in in some respects he's his biggest problem in his time at 888 slash Red Bull has been the fact that he's had Mr. personality as his teammate and, and yeah. in multiple Vapha's victories with him as well. And and anything Craig Lowndes has involved in in V8 supercar racing, he's the one, the number one story. He's the one that everyone wants to follow and everyone wants to, to talk about, and that's just down to his personality. So uh, it's nice getting those insights from Jamie because... They probably get a little bit lost at times because he's always put up against Craig Lounds on the pedestals, and Lounge is his outgoing chap who's always laughing and smiling and Mr. Personality, and Jamie's the quieter one who sits in the corner. But it's great to have those stories. I, I think Folge, you did a really good interview with him a while back in, in AA that that was really interesting and probably got a little bit more out of him than we've seen in a while and it's good to get that out of this guy because he's arguably the greatest we've seen in the sport for some time and it's nice to know more about these guys so yeah i, I couldn't agree with you more i think it's uh, it's good to see mm.
0: well we need to take a break here on inside supercars plenty more when we return join in the conversation
1: post your thoughts on our sport radio facebook page for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. If there actually needs to be a Inside structure... Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars.
0: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Folks from Fairfax and Auto Action, Richard Crowell, SBS Speed Week, and, uh, gee, just about... Where else? Where, where oh, else? Here's the, the three-time V8 Media Association Commentator of the Year going for four this year, and red-hot favourite for that, I'm sure. Oh, stabbed
2: me in the heart. Yeah, come know. on. So, what? Yeah. Uh, we've got, uh, uh-huh. have got on
3: the show, Craig, so uh, uh, maybe love,
0: we, We've got the 2014 CAMS Media Award winner on the show with us today in, folks.
3: And when the governing body says,
2: it means something apparently. So
3: uh, no, that's
0: no. right. Just try correct. and be a racing championship in this country without um, the Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm not sure about that accolade these days. But anyway, thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Anyway, moving along. Was that
0: turning the night? Hang,
2: hang on, Richard and I have just got to move all our trophies. Yeah, So, we can, so we can actually
0: see. Oh, there, oh, there you are. <laughs> All right, if we were talking best to the rest of Giz, he's got a point to prove, and he is certainly not going to lose any speed over the last 12 months. In fact, you could say that he's probably going to be an even better driver because of the blank pain series that he's been doing, folks. I know speaking to him just over a year ago, he said... Being behind um, Bernd Schneider in the 12-hour, he said, was just amazing. Watching how Bernd could move the uh, slower cars out of the way um, and positioning his car to, you know, lose very little time when you had to go through the traffic. He's had another year going over to Europe and finding out more ways to do that. And when you come to the mountain, no matter how even it might be at qualifying, there is always a car on a different strategy at a different speed that you can lose time behind.
2: Wow, well, yeah, that experience won't hurt him. Um, it really depends on which Shane Van Gisbergen wakes up on Sunday morning. Is it the one that we saw at Bathurst and most of the second half of the season last year who's suddenly rushed into second in the championship or is it the other gears? that we've seen so often most of this year who, you know, up and down, like, well, a yo-yo would be envious of how up and down Shane has been. In fact, for a lot of this season, they've lost the plot. Now they seem to have regained the, he and the team and John O'Webb, who did a remarkable job coming back from not racing for a year or driving in it for a year. Um, they redis- looked to looked rediscovered their mojo at Sandown. Um, and if they keep that at Bathurst, um, they'll be devastating like they almost were last year. But it's so dependent on how Craig is feeling. Uh, Craig. <laughs> how Shane is feeling. Because, uh, you know, he's raw speed, there's no doubt. But he is wildly inconsistent. And it always worries me because I just never have any idea of which is. Is going to be at the track, so I think you know they could. They, you know, in in one sense, they're the strongest team out there and could run away with it. In another sense, they could just be buried and we never see them. Uh,
0: interesting, you you talk about the wild year because uh, uh, he, Shane had uh, an interesting problem caused by, I think we could blame it on James Courtney because uh, you'll remember back to Darwin where the coming-together saw Courtney, Garth Tander and Shane all get hit. Mm -hmm. It took them four meetings to actually find a piece of damage on that car. They didn't find it until just before Sandow. Um, so that
2: could be interesting. Yeah, but it goes back to the Clipsal. You know, you could argue that the rot set in for a while when when the Giz, in a very, you know, in, in a great display of sportsmanship, you know, didn't muscle Courtney out of the way when they had that great battle at the Eclipsal 500. Mm. And I'm, I bet you he's regretting that now. Well... It's... These, things, these things set the tone for a year, you know? And as I said, Shane is a gifted racing driver. Perhaps the most gifted Probably the most gifted driver out there. But you look at his form. up It's up there in the stratosphere one day... And it's down, well, I can't even see it some other days. Mm.
3: Yes. The question I've got, and I'll pose to you two Gents, is hypothetical. And, and, I, and I was asked this the other day and couldn't answer it. Last lap of the race, Shane's second. A red bull car is first. What does Shane do to Shane and make some form of ridiculously exciting, potentially very dangerous move to win the motor race? Or knowing that's his form of employment next year, does he sit back and finish a narrow peak two, or not maybe use the bumper bar to move him out of the way. What's uh, what's the thoughts on that? I'd be leaning to, well, he wouldn't worry about that and he'd try and win the motor race at all costs.
0: Shane but. takes out the Red Bull car is what the result is, in my opinion. But, folks, you said it set the tone by clipsol
2: Yeah, well, certainly this time around he's not going to hesitate. <laughs> 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 but,
0: yeah,
2: but, you know, in any event, I would back him just to do what ever was required to get through Red Bull, car or not. But certainly now, after what happened in Adelaide, yeah, no doubt.
0: All right, what about the future team Penske lead driver, Fabian Coulthard? Do you think the Aubrey team can put it together for a 1,000 kilometres, folks? No. All right, uh, what about you, Richard?
3: Uh, Only if by chance Brad engineers a remarkable strategy, like he's done a couple of times, and they pop up. Somewhere in the front, you know, half a dozen of the field in the last laps because they've, they've managed to engineer their way there. I don't, they don't have the raw speed, do they? And uh, I doubt they'll win the race, but Brad uh, and that, that team and Phil Keg, everyone, they, they're smart operators and they've always had good strategy and they always find a way to get themselves somewhere near the front if they don't have the raw speed. So that would be their only chance, though, shortly. Oh. As for DJR, that's another story because they could be real dark horses and certainly top 10, if not further up the road, depending on how Marcus goes. Um, but we all know how the Scott is and they could be a real serious
2: contender.
0: You got them in your top five contention, folks?
2: No, no. I haven't. I mean, BJR is interesting because, you know, for a while there and like, I don't know, the first half or a bit more than the last decade, you know, Bathurst was the one place where you could rely on them to get a big result, you know, and they got on the podium against all odds. But in recent years, it, it's, you know, they've just had a complete hoodoo there in the Enduros generally. That, that's why I'm very pessimistic about their chances. But, you know, hopefully they can prove me and many others wrong. But um, I'm not putting any money on, you know, I mean, Fabs has got speed, but... Again, his record in the in the enduros is is um, is not overwhelming, and certainly not persuasive. And DJR Team Penske, um, yeah, dark horse, yeah, maybe out of sight, <laughs> but you know, they they should be strong enough to be strong top ten contenders, um, and you know, not win, uh, uh, you know, in ordinary circumstances. No, they can't win the race. Might sneak a podium. And, you know, this is going to be make or break for Marcus Ambrose. I doubt in terms of long-term future in VO Supercars. But it'll just make or break as to whether, you know, Marcus has still got it. You know, if he he can put in a big effort and a big drive, as he emphasises the co-driver, and he does very much emphasise that he is Scott Pye's co-driver, you know, it, it'll uh, well potentially, let's say, give him a, a big send off. Um, but um, for them to be pace setters, I think is uh, it's it's unreasonable to expect that. Uh,
0: but the big thing about uh, Ambrose is that he can drone around there during the lunchtime session and get them to the dance. He, you know, he understands long races because out of all the drivers that'll be on the grid, he's done more long races than probably half the grid, maybe even the full grid combined.
2: Well, yes, ironically, of course. You know, he's used to doing 400 and 500-mile races every weekend in the USA and NASCAR, but, of course, he'll be doing a minimal, a minimal amount of laps at Bathurst. So it's, it's all a bit upside down, really. If, you, if it were me, I'd be making Ambrose the lead driver because I think over the long haul in this sort of event, He'd be your gun driver. But anyway, it's not happening, so well, hopefully it'll be a good... Well, I'm tempted to say farewell, but anyway.
0: But the thing is, folks, the good thing about having a a situation where you have a, a, a reasonably quick, good, solid driver and a quick young driver is you don't have to, say, the second driver has to do the minimum amount of laps. If he's going well, if the car's doing well... You just give him another session. You give well, him another run. You don't. There's options, no don't. rules. It just gives him options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're assuming. You're assuming a lot. I am. Facts not in evidence, but that's no. all right. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, just before the break. In your final thoughts, gentlemen, uh, let's talk about Nissan. We don't need to talk about the horrendous year of Volvo. Nissan, promise so much. Second place on the podium, folks. What? Parallel universe, will we see them on the podium again this year?
2: Uh, In normal circumstances, no. I mean, like the race itself last year's result was a complete aberration, but then, you know, when the the winner crashes on on their way to victory, you know, it's only appropriate that the runners-up crash twice on their way (laughs) to the podium, so no. And, you know, they're running these new cylinder heads and all the ancillaries involved, which were underwhelming, to say the least, at Sandown. So at least three of the cars, not James Moffat, I understand, um, will have the upgraded engines. So who knows? Reliability of the of the new setup is not great. Um, if the Nissans have Mumbo to match their cornering over the top of the mountain, it might be a different story, but I think you'd... Um, You'd have to be wildly optimistic to expect them to be up there on sheer pace, assuming you know the race is at least semi-routine. So, no, I'm not putting big money on them at all.
3: Uh, and now, no, I, Richard, I agree with that. They're, they're, they're the team that if they pop up towards the end somewhere in the ten, you go, "Oh, that's nice, good on them," but they're not likely to uh, contend, are they?
0: Folks mentioned there, Richard, about uh, three cars having the new engine and the guy who hasn't signed to extend his contract with them, still having the old one. Am I being a bit facetious
2: there?
3: <laughs> oh, probably not.
2: Um, but, oh, you're uh, so cynical. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. I was just going to say that uh, Fogues is probably the better person to ask that question of uh, Craig rather than I because uh, if anyone's got their ears to the ground on what drivers are doing next year, it'd be him.
0: I, I would suggest that I, I might have stolen that line from Foges if he hadn't wrote it yet, he will.
2: Yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. Oh, 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 sorry. I'm, I'm on. Oh, I don't know what you mean. No, I I suspect... <laughs> oh, I just told a lie then. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I. you know, there may be a shortage of parts, <laughs> in inverted commas, um, but I, I think James is probably, for a variety of reasons, <laughs> probably not the most favoured son of DATS, sorry, Nissan. Um, At the moment, and his future of that team is um, (laughs) uncertain, I think is the term we use. Um, So, yeah, it may not be a coincidence that, as I understand it, he's the only one, again, as it was at Sandown, the only one of the four Nissans, combinations that doesn't have the hot new setup, Mm. which costs squillions.
0: Hopefully the uh, 700cc turbocharged thing that Rick and Todd took to Mount Panorama this weekend doesn't outperform... The hot new setup, the Figaro. Mm. Yeah, uh, a,
3: a bro- team hasn't delivered on uh, on race results, they do manage to get a
0: fair whack of PR, don't they? Mm.
2: Well, well, that's it. You, you won't see him again. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> we need to take get a break, a winner, and a final thought after this.
1: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at Sport Dot com dot Each week join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it. means a lot, you know. Through the years, a lot of reference this race as one of our majors. Six hundred miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two boys and uh, and meet Anthony Biggin in the final, which uh, we were able to do. Um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, reps, family.
1: Inside motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au.
0: Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottle O Racing Team and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought and perhaps a winner at Bathurst, Richard Crowell.
3: Uh, so I, I did put a little bit of thought into this and I'm fairly convinced, as has been the tone of this discussion, that a Pro-Drive Racing Australia car will win. However, in the interests of giving people like Mark something to write about and me something to talk about, In the coming rounds, uh, I've got uh, car Triple Eight winning the race, um, just for the sake of injecting a championship battle into the last part of the season. Uh, And final thought is, we didn't touch on them during the show, Volvo, Scott McLaughlin, so very close last year, and I thought he drove his heart out towards the end of last year's completely crazy race. Um, I would love to see them get a solid result. Not expecting them to win, probably not expecting them to be on the podium. But if they can be five or six at the end of the day, get to the finish and be competitive, uh, I think that will help make up for what it. has been an absolutely rotten year for uh, the Gary Rogers' Volvo team. Mm.
0: Now you do have a bit of pressure on you because you have picked the you have picked the podium before on this show.
3: Yeah, I have, but... Uh, You're not going to do it I'm this on. week?
0: No, no, that's as far as I'm going. OK, then. Um, uh, Tony Quinn has licensed the rights to Bathurst 101, so I'm sure that they're not going to be able to use that if Lancey wins, as Tony Shebeki was suggesting. Oh,
2: uh, yes, yes,
0: win number 101. Very good. Folks, a final thought and a winner.
2: I'm pretty sure I've never picked the podium of Bathurst, so we're safe there. No, no, Richard uh, has. Yeah, I know, but I haven't, oh, so I don't can't. worry about it. <laughs> I'm such a bad tipper. I have too much imagination. Um, I agree with Richard, though, that um, Scott McLaughlin and uh, Alex Pramer are not to be counted out. Um, I would like to think, and I do suspect, that if, there's, if they're anywhere near it at the end, they will be a real force to be reckoned with, I think. Volvo's reliability or GRM's reliability issues are pretty much gone, and I would expect to see last year's Scott McLaughlin, the pacey one, um, back. But they're not my picks for the winners. I, I, I'm still going, so I'm torn, but I'll go for Winterbottom and Owen. I, I think they're the the best combination for that race. Um even if they don't quite have the pace of Mostert and Waters. But anyway, they're, they're my pick, um, and that's all locked up with the fact that if, if Frosty can, can win this thing or certainly finish on the podium, he'll, he'll lock up the championship, and as he should, because he should be this year's champion. Mm. And my final thought... Hmm. Well, as I've written in Auto Action, I'm still outraged and indignant about next year's clash between the Phillip Island MotoGP and the Gold Coast 600. Outrage. Mm. Mm. More outrage. Well, I wasn't outraged by the clash between the Bathurst 12-hour and the V8 Supertest, to be honest. But I'm certainly outraged about it, about these two big events um, clashing next year, but nobody else seems to be worried about it. But. I'm certainly not happy and I'm not happy from the point of view that no, it won't affect ticket sales of each one iota, different audiences, you know, different states, 1600 kilometres apart, the races, but it will potentially force people to make a cho- TV viewers, who are by far the biggest you know, component of the audience, to make a choice unless the Australian Grand Prix Corporation and Dorna and VA Supercast sit down and work out, work it out so that the race times for the big events on the Sunday um, the Australian Motorcycle Grand Prix and the second leg of the Gold Coast 600 are staggered so that they don't clash and so for free-to-air viewers on 10 people can watch both and they don't have to make a choice between, you know, one race on 10 and one race on 1 um, You know, and Fox Sports not such a big deal but even then it could be split but it's easy for Fox, easier for Fox Sports just to put one on one channel, one on the other, but that shouldn't happen. Major motorsport events of any kind in this country should not clash. It's been a complete nonsense for the last several years that Rally Australia has clashed with the Sandown 500,
0: or every that, rally, every rally run in this country clashes with a V8 Supercar race.
2: Well, yeah, well, particularly, and there was one. It may have been as recently as last year when the V8s were racing at Phillip Island. And, you know, further up the road, still in Victoria and within reach of Melbourne, you had the Victorian round of the ARC, you're right. But certainly major international or major national events shouldn't clash, and we've had for some years the clash between Rally Australia and Sandown 500. That finally seems to be over next year when it looks like Rally Australia will become the last round of the World Rally Championship in November. So few so, were
1: so over that. With and Sydney. then suddenly
2: MotoGP... At Philip Island, arguably the second biggest motorsport event in the country, and in you know, global importance certainly, is clashing with the Gold Coast six hundred, which is a showcase v eight event. Oh, really. Really.
0: Folks, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show.
2: And it's always a pleasure to be here. Especially with the multi award winning Richard Crowe. <laughs>
3: I was going to say the same thing about uh, a door of Australian motoring journalism. Mm-hmm. Well. So load uh, oh. that troke yourself up so it's it up.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've got the duster out. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. It takes Shiny. a long time, doesn't it, when they're as full as ours? Shiny, I oh, know, isn't it? Yeah. All right, geez. rub
0: it in, rub, Gotta rub it
2: get in. get the brazo out, yeah.
0: That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside
1: Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.